They do. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I'll just tell you the providence of God. Um, I think it was back in September. I was uh, driving back from Oklahoma City, and I uh, got to preach chapel there at at uh, at Heartland. And uh, Brother uh, Eccles called me and said, "Hey, I've just been praying about the 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 preachers' meeting in December, and just felt like the Lord would maybe have us do a theme and." So I've been calling and letting the other guys know what subject I wanted them to preach on. And he said, I want you to preach on brokenness. And in my flesh, two things kind of ran across my mind. Number one, great, that's my favorite subject. (laughs) And then number two was, who does this guy think he is? Man, he's wet behind the ears. He's like the resident Holy Spirit here and telling guys what to preach and stuff. And little did I know that God would use the message in my life, to deal with me, um, I, I tell you, the timing of it was just incredible. And so thank you, for, brother, for being led by the Spirit of God. And I know this, that God can, certainly we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to lead us, but God can also work in the man of God Amen. to lead in some things according to His Spirit and His Word. And so uh, just a challenge uh, in my life. And I told him this morning, I don't care how it goes. I, I know this, God used the message for me. And so I'm preaching to myself a little bit this morning. And uh, But I just, uh, that's my subject. And uh, I really, I could think of no better subject than Isaiah chapter 6 to touch on brokenness. And here's what I find that's interesting is that the three subjects are holiness and brokenness and surrender. And you'll find all three of them in Isaiah chapter number 6. When you understand the holiness of God and you get broken over who you are, you'll do what God wants you to do. So let's all stand in honor of God's Word. In Isaiah chapter number 6 this morning, Isaiah chapter uh, number 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain. And I like that. That's a good redneck southern word right there to mean two. Amen. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And may I say that it is still full of His glory. We didn't get here by some big bang, friend. We got here because of the glory and power of God in creation. And notice it says, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, and rightly so, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And for my eyes, mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this, has t- this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. 
and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then said I, Surrender, here am I, send me. Well, if you want to be broken, then you need to go through some suffering. And then when you see God for who He truly is, and yourself before who you truly are, and I'm telling you, friend, you'll be willing to say, here am I, send me. I, we, we got more and more guys today quitting. And we've got, uh, whether it's quitting or just refusing to get involved in ministry, I believe God's still calling men. Men just aren't answering. And you know why? Because we're not willing to be broken and to humble ourselves. But I'm telling you, God can put some things in your life to get you, where you, get you to a place where you'll listen to Him. And so I just want to preach on uh, uh, that this morning. Again, God had to do some things in my life to get me to that place. And, and uh, just pray it'll be a challenge to us this morning as men of God. Father, thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I, I want to thank you. I know that, uh, Lord, what a, what a precious scene here in your Word from Isaiah. But I just want to thank you personally, Lord, for being so long-suffering to me uh, in my stubbornness and in my pride being so very gracious to bring me to a place where I would listen to you and humble myself to do, uh, Lord, your will in my life and to answer, Lord, what you uh, call me to do. And so I just pray this morning that you would, uh, uh, Lord, use me as a vessel to be an encouragement, a help to these men this morning. I'm sure thankful for each one of them. I I know most all of them here, and uh, they have all been an influence and a blessing to me in some way or another. And so I just pray that, God, you'd allow me to do that in return this morning. And so bless the preaching of your word, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be uh, seated uh, this morning. Back, uh, back when I was in high school, um, before I got saved, I didn't get saved till the age of 20, but one of the things uh, we, we used to do uh, was we'd go to the local rodeos. And uh, there were a lot down there. I grew up in the panhandle of Florida, and we call that L.A. That's lower Alabama, really, is what that is. And a bunch of, that's the Redneck Riviera down there. And, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, country people and a lot of horses and bull riding and different things like that. And so you'd go to the local rodeo. And, of course, guys, you know, we'd go. And you always had to sit through all the stuff before they got to the real man stuff, you know, the bull riding and the bronc busting and all that stuff. And one of the things that they did was, uh, and you guys know this, they did the barrel racing and the girls would get out there with their horses and and uh, and do the barrel racing and stuff like that. And there was one young lady there that she had a horse that was just, it wasn't completely and fully broken. It was a large horse and it was a fast horse and it was one of the quickest ones that was out there, but she had the worst time getting that horse out of the uh, out of the uh, the trailer there, and to get it to go, every time it would see the entrance into the arena, it would just start bucking and doing some things. And of course, she couldn't handle it being a young lady. And so, a lot of the times, one of the maybe bigger guys or uh, older men there would grab a hold of the horse and and get on it and just take it off into the field and and 
and burn some energy out of it and get it broke and worked up in a good sweat and, and then bring it back and then and turn it over to that young lady and she'd get on that horse and then take off and it'd do exactly what you wanted it to do. But it wasn't until you got it out there and wore it down a little bit and broke it a little bit and, and, and beat on it a little bit, if you will, and, and get it to a place where it would listen, and I'm telling you, then it would do what you wanted it um, to do. I know we're men and, you, you know, mankind, and we're different than animals. We were created in the image of God, but, but I think that we all understand that illustration there, that sometimes that's how, what God has to do in our lives, isn't it? And to get us to uh, that place where we'll listen. I was just sitting here talking with Brother Eccles, and was, we were discussing the th- same thing about kids. And if you've got kids, you understand that you got to sometimes break their spirit, if you will, and get them. Man, my boy is as stubborn as his mother, I'm telling well, thankfully, she's not here to hear that, amen. But I, she, he was as stubborn as me. And, I, man, I remember uh, him being about four or five years old and having to discipline him and apply the rod. And he wouldn't admit to what he had done wrong. And, you, man, I'm telling you, for about 30, 45 minutes, sir, we just went round and round and round until he finally broke and said, all right, I'd done it. And I said, well, exactly. It would have been a lot easier if you would have started out that way, son. And, and so, uh, But I had to break him and get him to that place where he'd humble himself. And, re- and acknowledge what he had done. And, and you and I are like that in some regards, aren't we, in our spiritual life. Now, now, and I'm not going to sit here this morning and do a bunch of background and things on, on Isaiah the prophet. You men of God know this and certainly probably have preached on this scene before. And, and we know that he was called during the days of Uzziah and, and Jotham and then, of course, Ahaz. And then the good king uh, again would come along, Hezekiah, and he would be called of God to warn Judah of their spiritual decline. And... And we know that he was the predecessor, if you will, of Jeremiah. For uh, Jeremiah would come later on, about uh, fifty or sixty years, I think it is, after Isaiah, and he would witness the uh, the judgment of God as Babylon uh, would come in. And and of course, Isaiah here would see Israel's captivity. Uh, uh, to Assyria and would guide Hezekiah to victory over that. I like that story. And, 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 and I know this, that Isaiah has been named the fifth, uh, nicknamed the fifth gospel. And I think that's a pretty neat nickname because no other book in the Old Testament tells us more about the birth of the Savior and the coming Messiah than this book. This would be the book, friend, that that Isaiah or that Jesus would preach from the very first book during his earthly ministry. He would preach from the book of of Isaiah. So no doubt this is the Word of God. Amen. And no doubt that that Isaiah is a great man of God and would be used greatly in the, the nation of Judah. But I believe it is this scene right here and the brokenness that would take place in his life and seeing the glory of God for for who He is as our God and being surrendered, this would be what God would use to shape His life and to be Him to become the man of God that God would use Him to be. I just want to give you some things this morning to maybe uh, be a help to you when it comes to the subject of brokenness. N- number one, and, and, and certainly from Isaiah's life and maybe something that has already been highlighted even in the introduction, and that's this. The source of brokenness is often from suffering. I mean, it really is. I, when, when you study the examples of men in the Scriptures who experience brokenness in their lives, most all of them, most all of them, if not all of them, started with suffering a loss of some kind. Now sometimes that loss was maybe just evil being done to them. Sometimes that loss was of their own doing. 
And sometimes that loss was just part of life. Um, for example, I would say to you this morning that David suffered much. Um, and, and by the way, and exemplified a great deal of brokenness in his life. And, and we understand some of that was at the hand of just those doing evil towards David. I, I would say that he suffered a great deal and experienced a great deal of brokenness uh, on the run from Saul. Uh, read the Psalms, friend, and you're talking about a humble and broken spirit depending on God and His protection and, and His provision day to day. That was David hiding out in the caves and, and trusting in God, knowing that God had anointed him to be the next king, but he wasn't going to touch the man of God. Saul, at that time, he let God take care of those things and God do those things. And so you understand, friend, that he was, he was broken and humbled and, and trusting and, and surrendered to God. And, and, and really, and, and he was suffering and, and on the run. And, and all of that was because Saul was trying to do him evil. I'd run from a guy that was throwing javelins at me too. I'm just telling you, that's what Saul, or I'm sorry, that's what David was doing. But we also know this, David suffered and, and went through a great deal of things because of his own doing. I mean, come on, friend. I mean, listen, he, he done some wicked things in his life. The one thing I love about David is that he was a great repenter. But David blew it from time to time, didn't he? Come on, friend, I'm telling you, he, he had Uriah murder, the husband of Bathsheba, and then committed adultery. And it would be David that would suffer a great loss because the man of God would come in and say, listen, you're, you're going you're gonna to suffer loss because of this. God's going to take your son. And then you get over to Psalm 51 and David is broken and humbled and says this in verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. I'm telling you, friend, that, that David did wicked and then God judged him for it and chastened him for it. And he suffered loss because of it. But, but, but it was that loss that brought David low to a broken place in his life where he wanted to get right with God. And I think of... Uh, I think of brokenness that he suffered because of that. Over the, I mean, listen, he lost his throne to his own son Absalom that would betray him. And, and again, we, we know that all of that is the result of his sin with, with Bathsheba. Da, listen, David would pay back fourfold of his sons, just like he said to uh, Nathan when Nathan came in and told him the story of the man with the one precious baby sheep that he raised, the little, the, the little, the little lamb, and, and then the other man that had a multitude, but he took that one man's lamb. And David said, man, he ought to, he ought to pay back fourfold, and he ought to be killed. And Nathan said, thou art the man, David. And you won't die because of this, but you're going to pay for it fourfold, just like you said. And David would, wouldn't he? Well, friend, I'm telling you, we could go down the... I mean, he suffered the loss of that baby that, that Bathsheba was pregnant with, Absalom. And, and his sons, and, and I'm telling you, friends, heartache. But, but you got to understand this. But, but for Isaiah, it wasn't of his own doing. It was just part of life. The good king Uzziah, in verse number one, died. And we know that Uzziah was a good king, but he wasn't a perfect king. Uh, we, we know this, that the Bible says that he did do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, didn't he? Well, he, he, I love this, man. I mean, listen, he went to war. You read Chronicles and, 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 and study the life of Uzziah. And I'm telling you, friend, he went to war with the Philistines and defeated them. He built up the army of Judah. He cared about the military. He built up the walls and, in Jerusalem, cared about his people. I'm telling you, man, he was a conservative Republican. Probably voted for Trump. <laughs> 
Oh, you'll get over it. But you understand, we also know this, that Uzziah went into the house of God and said, I'm going to burn some incense to God. And that's a no-no, Bubba. You don't mess with the worship of Almighty God. And the priests did the right thing. They stood up against the king and said, this ain't for you, big boy. This is our job. This is our This is what God said we're to do, not the king. You're overstepping your bounds, hot rod. And, and I'm telling you, he refused to listen to the priest. And, and he's sitting there trying to burn the incense. And the leprosy is starting to come up on his forehead. How'd you like to see that? And all the priests went, whoa, man. And got away from him. But, but you understand, Isaiah understood, especially after watching. He, he, listen, Isaiah witnessed Israel, their next door neighbors, giving in to idolatry and the things that God would do in dealing with them and their captivity into Syria. And so Isaiah knew this, friend. Everything rises and falls on leadership. When you have a good king, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, when you've got a good king that follows God, guess what? The people will be encouraged to follow God. But when you've got a wicked king, an evil king, that wants to follow the sins of Jeroboam and worship the golden calves or the veil that Ahab and Jezebel would bring in, friend, I'm telling you, that's when the people are influenced to do wickedly. And now the king is dead, friend. And Uzziah is broken and burdened and saying, What are we going to do? Can I say to you this? He was right. Because you study it out, friend. Uzziah's son, Jotham, he was a moral man. It says that he done that which was right in the Lord. He was a moral man, but he wouldn't go to the house of God. Right. Study it out. He, wouldn't go, he refused to go to the temple and worship God. And I believe this, and I believe it's because he was bitter over what God, dad, uh, God did to his dad. And he refused to go. Listen, you cannot live right with God without being in the house of God and being faithful to God and doing the things that God said to do. But listen, it, uh, you understand the decline here. That here's a man that lifted himself up in pride and rebellion and God chasing him for it. And then he brings about his son and doesn't show him that, listen, I, I should have humbled myself and gotten right. And so his son is carrying along this bitterness. And then Ahaz, his son, would come along. And by the time Ahaz comes along, he does that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. The bitterness of his dad carried over into his life against God. And it would be Ahaz that would go to Assyria and go, man, you guys got a nice altar there. Let me call my guy up and have him build. Well, I'm going to send you, you got a copy of the plans, and he brings it back to his priest, and his priest builds up an altar, and so they take the altar of God uh, that, that's there in the temple, and they move it into the backyard and put up the altar of the Assyrian gods. Yeah. And so now they got a contemporary service, oh, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the yeah. traditional oh, service was in the back yeah. back there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm telling you, friend, listen, there ain't nothing new under the sun, honey. It's all the same junk. It's been going on for day. Listen, the devil's just got a new name for it. I'm telling you, why don't we just stick with the Word of God? Why don't we just sing the, the, sing the, the songs that, that speak to the soul of man, not the flesh of man? Hey, why don't we just stand up and preach the Word of God? Right is still right, and wrong is still wrong, and do what God says to do, friend. Don't mess with the worship of God. And Uzziah was a good king, though. And no doubt he was a friend to the man of God, Isaiah. But now that the good king is dead, Isaiah is broken. And he's burdened. And he's sitting in the house of God and seeking God. And, 
And that's when he sees the Lord sitting upon his throne in his glory. But it was, I'm telling you, man, it was this loss in Uzziah that would bring Isaiah to, to this point of, of brokenness and, and seeking God and, and wanting to know, friend, what, 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 what God has planned for the, the nation of Judah. You know, sometimes we suffer loss. <laughs> I'll say this, sometimes we suffer loss at the evil of others. Come on, friend, I don't know a man of God in here that hadn't been in ministry very long and you realize how knuckleheaded people can be and how hateful and how wicked they can be and spiteful they can be. And I'm telling you, and you and I know this, we've got to get broken and we've got to pray and ask God to do a work in our heart and let that bitterness go and and still love people. Sometimes you pour yourself into a baby Christian and and hopes to see them grow in Christ. You, You know that same fruit we're praying for, that fruit that remains. Hello? I, I got, I'll tell you, I figured out real quick to stop praying just for fruit, but pray for the fruit that remains. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you know, you, you, you see them, you invest in them, you pour yourself into them, you give them their time, your family loves on them, have them over to the house and want to see them grow in the Lord. And it, listen, and sometimes it's not six months down the road. They're back off and living back in the old life and, and doing the things that they used to be doing. And, and then you know this, that it wasn't real what they had. And you know that. Or you got some carnal church member that gets offended and something silly and decides and wants to leave the church, but you know, church hopping and well, that's real popular today. Or some former disgruntled church member she begins to whisper in the ears of a good, sweet family in the church and begins to influence them away from, from the thing. Listen, you, you, I, you and I got we got, we got the stories. Come on, friend, we could sit here all morning and talk about this stuff. And, and you and I, and I just, I want to help you, help you to understand. And I'm not going to sit up here and whine and cry about it all day. I don't think we need to do that. You need to suck it up and get over it. But, but at the same time, I just want you to know this. It's not just happening in your church. It's happening everywhere. That's the way people are today, friend. And, and, and I'm telling you, but, but, but listen, that, that fruit that remains is scarce, isn't it? And every time you see that fruit kind of beginning to blossom and then it just rots out and slips off and it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Come on, listen, I've been pastoring for nine and a half years there in Cassville, Missouri. And I know this, that there are some things in ministry that nine years ago, man, I'd stay up all night worrying about it. And now I don't even blink an eye at it. But when you see this kind of stuff happening where you're trying to love on people and grow people in the Lord Jesus Christ and they throw the things of God out the window and go back to the old life, I'm going to tell you something. Every time I end up broken. Because yeah. Yeah. it hurts. Yeah. And you end up in that prayer closet yeah. and having to just turn it over to the Lord and giving it to God and, and letting Him. Come on. Yeah. I'm just telling you, friend. I, and I don't think we should ever get over that. Friend, that's what ministry is about. And loving on people and see them and get saved and see them growing in the, in the faith and knowledge of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, friend. Those, there are times where we suffer loss and, and it's, and it's because of the evil doings of others, the things that they do. Hey, sometimes it's of our own doing. Oh, well, now, now, that's not fun. I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you have the same problem as Peter did in the Gospels, but I know I got it. Open mouth and insert foot. Sure, yeah. Son, I'm telling you, know, and it's, I uh, listen, sometimes we, we, we are the cause of strife. Sometimes we're the cause. And, we, and here's why, because sometimes we take problems and we react in the flesh to them. 
and, and, and we say things we shouldn't have said or, or, or we don't deal with a problem in the grace and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Come on, man, we might as well acknowledge it this morning. We're, we're, we don't, we're not perfect either. And we make mistakes. And, we, and, and, and hopefully you've got a good group of folks that understand the pastor isn't perfect. And that, that, that he does make mistakes too. And hopefully there are times where we're willing to humble ourselves and say, Man, I blew it. Would you forgive me? I know there's been times like that in my life where I've had to call somebody up and go, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. And sometimes they said, man, I didn't even think anything about it. But you know, sometimes I'm glad I called them because they said, you know what, thanks for calling because that helps me and uh, encourages me. I I know that I've done those things before, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's of our own doing, our own sin and our own stubbornness and our own pride. You know what, sometimes it's just part of life. It's part of life in ministry. You know, sometimes we suffer loss because a faithful church member passes away. Sometimes suffering comes because God calls a family that's in the church, a good family, to to maybe to another area. And and listen, and those are the bittersweet moments, if you will. You want them to be in the will of God, but you sure hate to see them go. I remember what, I think it was about a year or so ago, we had a good family, one of my deacons in our church, and and uh, was an architect, and, and God had, uh, was, you know, he was working in Joplin, and, and uh, the Lord just opened up a door there for him, and he, they'd been praying about it, and I knew they were a spiritual family. They weren't trying to be silly or anything like that, and God was dealing with them. And, and man, as much as I hated to see him go and wanted him to stay and wanted to, wanted to sit there and go, hey, man, this ain't God's will. I knew it was the Lord's will. And you got to do the pastoral thing and go, listen, brother, I want your family in God's will. Because I know what it means for my family to be in God's will. The blessings of God will be on you. So you need to go where God wants you to go. No matter how much it, uh, how much it, it, it hurts. But I want you to listen to this. It's when we suffer these things that we face the same decision as Isaiah. we got to decide whether or not we're going to give them over to God or not. Why do you think Isaiah was in the temple? Well, I'm telling you, friend, because he was seeking God in his loss. See, listen to this. This is, man, this is good. I can't even believe I made this up myself. (laughs) This is pretty good. Listen, when you suffer loss, it's not you either get bitter or you get better. It's this. You either get bitter or you get broken. Did you catch that? Because here, here's the thing, it's in our brokenness that that's when we look to God and He makes us better. Did you catch that? See, I think we skipped that step. We skipped that step, friend. We've got to have brokenness. And I'm telling you, when we suffer loss, see, see you, you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to trust God and His Word. And, and you know what He says, that He'll work all things out together for His good. Come on, friend. Man, I love that verse, Romans 8, 28. Oh, I know the lost crowd. Well, you, you Christians, you got your crutch verses like that. Yeah, but the lost crowd has their crutches too. They lean on a bottle of alcohol or, or some pill or something. No, friend, I want to lean on the Word of God. And here's what God says. And we know, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God and to them that, uh, to, to them who are called according to His purpose. And we're going to have to trust God in those times of suffering. And you and I know this verse, and we preached on this verse, and you probably got your own illustration just like I got my own illustration. Mine's my mama's chocolate cake. My mama, she used to make chocolate, and she made it real cake, you know, from scratch. And my favorite is yellow cake with chocolate icing. Mm, 
That'll help you right there. I almost want to have lunch right after this, bro. And when I was a boy, my favorite thing was is when she was done putting the icing on, you can lick the bowl. Son. And when I'm in my 40s now and she says, you can lick the bowl, I'm still going to lick the bowl. Yeah, man. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of those ingredients on their own are pretty good. Boy, I love chocolate. I could sit there and eat the whole can of chocolate icing. Milk, pretty good on its own. But I wouldn't advise you grabbing a handful of flour and shoving that in your mouth. Or a raw egg. Now, if you want to do the Rocky Balboa, whatever, that's, I'm not, no, I'm not. But you understand, when you get all those ingredients and you put them all together, what a precious product it makes. You getting me this, this morning? I, I'm telling you, friend, God does the same thing in our life. Sure, there's the mountaintops, friend, but there are also the valleys that He puts in our life. Allows us to go through some suffering. Allows us to take some loss so that it puts us in a place where we've got to make a decision. And, and I'm telling you, that right decision is this, to get broken and, and begin to seek God because it's where that's where God meets with you and that's where God gives you what you need to keep going on for him that's exactly what happens in Isaiah's life but I'm telling you friends you got to understand sometimes God allows those things to get us to a place where we'll humble ourselves and get broken over those things and you can either get better bitter or you can either get broken and I'm just want to encourage you hey friend get broken understand God's putting those things in your life to get you to a place, friend, where you'll listen to Him and, and follow Him. And let me tell you what the symptoms of brokenness are. Look at verses 1 through 5. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, and, and, it stood above the, and, it, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wang, wings, and I almost said wangs there, amen, the twang and wangs, amen. And, and with twain He covered His face, and with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another, and He said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried with a... And the house was filled with, with smoke. And then, of course, in verse 5, then said, then, then said, I, woe is me. See, see, when, when you get real brokenness in your life, there, there's going to be two things that will happen. Number one, you'll see God for who He truly is, and you'll see who you, who you are, you truly are. And that's what, that, that's what happened in, in Isaiah's life. And you go down through these verses, and Isaiah sees the glory of God. And I understand. Listen, we, we're not going to see anything like what Isaiah saw on this side of heaven. We know that. You tell somebody you did, they're just going to think you're weird. Or you ate that chili last night a little bit too late, amen? Ooh, son, that was good. But can I, can I say this, though? The things that are represented here, we can certainly experience in our lives. Come on, friend, that when it talks about in verse number 1, that his train filled the temple, and that word train just means skirt, and it's talking about the outer garments of our God. And, and we know this, that God is a spirit. And this is simply one of those anthropomorphisms that we have that expresses or explains the, the presence of God moving into the building. And it's much like uh, it reminds me of when Solomon dedicated the temple and, and, and the glory and presence of God filled up the place so much so that the preachers and the singers had to get out of the building. Wouldn't that be good? But we understand that, that his train here symbolizes the, the presence of God. And may I say this, I don't think it was an encouraging presence of God. I mean, I know that's, you know, our, well, that's so encouraging, the presence of God. No, 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 I think it was meant to be convicting to Isaiah. It was meant to be convicting. Isaiah needed to be reminded, friend, that man is not in charge. 
Just because Uzziah is dead, friend, hey, there's still a God in heaven. And He's the one that's over all things. As Daniel would say, He's the one that brings kings up and puts kings down. He's the one that brings nations up and puts nations down. Friend, He's the sovereign God. He's the one that's over all things. He's the I am that I am. Even in verses 2 and 3, he sees the seraphims and, and crying out and praising God in His holiness and in His glory. And again, this was meant to be convicting to Isaiah in his brokenness because God is holy, friend. He's holy. I love the message last night. We need more holy preaching on the holiness of God and lifting up. Listen, that word holy, it means this, separate. It means He's above all things. He's holy and high and lifted up, friend. He, he's the Lord of hosts and, and the whole earth is full of His glory. It all belongs to Him. He's the God, the Creator God, Jehovah God. And then in verse number 4, it talks about the post of the door shook and the place filled up with smoke. And again, where you have the presence of God, you always have the power of God. They always go together, friend. You want the power of God? Then get in the presence of God. And here it is that the power of God moves. You know, and, and here's why. I'm telling you, friend, here's why Isaiah needed to see all this. See, one of the things that we struggle with as God's people, and even as God's men, is a submissive, humble spirit to the sovereignty and power of Almighty God in our lives. And don't get, no, 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 I'm not Calvinistic or any of those things. Don't freak out over the word sovereignty, but He is sovereign. And He is over all those things. And we understand that, friend. But I'll tell you, friend, see, as long as things are going our way, we got it all under control. We got this ministry thing figured out. And we know what's... But listen, but then what happens is this. We suffer loss and we realize, oh, wait a minute, we don't have it figured out. What are we going to do? And then that's when we run... Then, then, then that's when we run to the prayer closet and start thinking, why, God, why did you allow this happen? God, why did this? I mean, what are we going to do here? What, what are we going to do here? And then all of a sudden, Isaiah sees the power and glory of Almighty God, and he's realizing, oh, yeah, he's, he's in control. I don't know about you, but I've sure been there. And I believe that's, listen, I'm telling you, it's in those prayer closet times, friend, that we're brought low, and we realize, you know what? It doesn't matter what goes on. It doesn't matter what loss we suffer. It doesn't matter what family member left the church or what thing's been said about us or what's been done to us or, or what, thing, what mistake that we've made. God is in control. God is over all things. God is God. And we're just who we are. And in fact, I'm telling you, friend, that's the moment that we realize, man, we're just a bunch of wicked sinners trying to do the will of God and trying to follow the plan of God in our lives. Come on, friend, look at what Isaiah says. He said, when he sees all this, he said, This said, I, woe is me. I am, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the, the Lord of hosts. It, there's a, I don't know if you notice this or not, but there is a dramatic difference in, in the Isaiah of the previous chapters and the Isaiah of this verse. Right. You say, what do you mean, uh, brother? Well, go back if you would, just, just in the previous chapter and look at verse number 8. In Isaiah 5, he says this, Woe unto them. Look, look at verse number 11. Woe unto them. Look, look down at verse number 18. Woe unto them. 
Look at verse number 20. Woe unto them. Look at verse 21 and 22. Woe unto them. Woe unto them. But friend, when Isaiah is broken in his loss and he sees the glory of Almighty God, it is no longer woe unto them. It's woe am I. All of a sudden, here's I'm telling you, when Isaiah saw the glory of God, all of a sudden he realized, you know what, all the messages I've been preaching in the previous chapter about how wicked Judah is, those apply to me. <laughs> it's a bummer when you're the pastor and you got to listen to your own preaching. You just need to trust God. Well, that's real easy when you're not trusting God. But then when you're put into a place where you got to trust God, <laughs> it's not just woe unto them, it's woe am I. Hello? You guys don't ever go through that? Man, you guys must, well, y'all are a lot more spiritual than me. Well, you just, this is my favorite. Well, you just need to wait on the Lord. Well, that's my favorite thing to do hurry up and wait. Yeah. <laughs> But you better wait on God. Yeah. Don't get out of His time. Well, you need to get that stuff out of your life. Yeah, I need to get that stuff out of my life too. Yeah. Well, their, their lips are wicked. And now Isaiah's saying, hey, my lips are wicked. The things I've been saying. Again, friend, listen, again, it's in those prayer closet moments of brokenness that we're convicted by who God is in His power and in His glory. And we find ourselves confessing to God our sin with an honest and broken heart, humbled before Him and realizing He is God. Listen, there are no vain repetitious prayers in, in, the, heart, in the closet of a broken man. There, there, there is, when, when you're broken... There's no generalization of your sin. Well, Lord, forgive me of my sins. No, 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 no. You get specific when you're broken. You get honest. You're pouring your guts out to God and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for asking why. I'm sorry for not trusting you. I'm sorry for not waiting on you. I'm sorry for trusting in Uzziah. He's a man. You're God. You're the one that's over all things. I'm sorry, Lord, for not having faith that when this family left the church, I thought we were going to have to shut the doors. You're God. You can keep it open. It's your church. Right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You know, they leave and you think, man, the offerings are going to be down. And they're. <laughs> I'll never forget a few years ago, we had a precious family come in and I was so thankful, man. They, they had not, they had come from another independent Baptist church, but wasn't taught Baptist baptism. And I said, you're not going to be a part of this church until you surrender to Baptist baptism. And they, they surrendered to Baptist baptism. And I rejoiced in that. And then the next thing you know, something silly, and they get these things in their mind, and false accusations, and false uh, expectations, and all this stuff. And they ended up leaving the church. And we were just getting ready to have a, 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 a youth uh, a, a thing to raise money for camp, and a dessert auction for the... And I'm thinking, man, we're, we, we just lost this good family, and they're giving family, and our, our thing's going to be... Not, man, we broke the record that year. Yeah. And I went home and I was like, Isaiah, I'm so sorry. This is your church. You know what you... Come on, friend. I'm telling you, we need to be reminded He's God. And you know when we're reminded that He's God? When we get broken. When we get low. When we get humbled. And I love this. See, this is now comes the good part because 
But because really the product, the sum total of everything that happens when you get broken and you come to God, I'm telling you, they're exactly like what happens with Isaiah right here. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a, a live coal in his hand, which, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Well, I like that, friend. See, even in your suffering and, and questioning and, and all of the things that you say about God, I'm telling you, when you're broken and you come to Him, He still loves you. He still forgives you. He takes your lips and cleans them, and your sin is purged away. Well, I like that, man. I, listen, being a former welder, I know this. One thing about heat is, when you, or one thing about metal, when you put heat to it, it purges it. And here comes that seraphim with that coal, hot coal out of the altar and puts it on his lips. And son, I'm, what a glorious thing, man, that, that Isaiah is forgiven and his sin is, is purged. And I'm, that's, but see, that's why it's so important for us that, that when suffering comes and, and loss comes, that we get broken and we come to God because that's when God forgives you. And that's when God restores you. And that's when God strengthens you. And that's when God gives you what you need to get up and go back out and serve Him. That's what He does. I love that verse that Isaiah would later on be used of the Spirit of God to pen. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, (laughs) whose name is holy. (laughs) I dwell in the high and lofty place with him also, it is of a broken, a contrite heart. See, see, listen, the way to God is not this, to get all bitter and puff out your chest and go, well, I thought he was going to do this. And I thought, no. The way to God is this. Some of that surrender, bro. Humble, broken before God. And then, listen, that's, see, that's when Isaiah, in verse number 8, and also I heard the voice of the Lord. Oh, listen, saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? Then said I, This is Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. See, once we're broken, and we're forgiven and restored, that's when we've got a willing spirit to get back to serving God to the things that He has called us to. And I, I love, look at verse number 9. I didn't read all of this, but look at verse number 9. And He said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Well, that sounds like a good positive Joel Osteen message right there, doesn't it? No, he's saying, go and preach what I tell you to preach. And it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. Preach my word. And it doesn't matter whether they respond to it or not. Preach my word. Come on, friend, I'm telling you, that's what he's saying. And then he said in verse number 11, then said, I, how long? And he said, until the cities be wasted without an inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. In other words, friend, until I say, you're done. Can I say to you this morning, friend, that's what we're supposed to be doing? The Word of God doesn't need to be changed to fit the culture. It needs to be preached so the culture changes to it. Let people get saved and then learn to walk with God. Just preach the Word of God. No matter if it's positive or not, just preach it. Well, for how long? 
Well, until Jesus comes or God calls you home. Preach it. We still got a message to preach, friend. And we, we need to, I'm telling you, and the only way we're going to be faithful to it, doesn't matter who gets saved. That's not, that's not why we're in it. Success with God is not about numbers, folks. Amen. It's about faithfulness. Stay with it. Keep plugging along. Do what God has called you to do. But listen to me. The only way you're going to stay faithful in it is this. Is you learn that when sufferings come, you get broken. And you go to God with it. And He forgives you. He restores you. He strengthens you. And He gives you what you need to get back out there. And do it all over again. Can I, can I finish with this and just kind of say it like this? Brokenness is not a one-time thing. It's something that ought to happen often and far more frequent than it is happening. Mm-hmm. Brokenness. Thank you, Brother Eccles.